as we was worshiping today, I, when we first started the worship service, I thought, man, we're, that normal bad weather, you know, kind of feeling down or gloomy or lethargic. I don't know what, what that is, uh, you know, that feeling. And, but as we begin to worship God, as we begin to just praise God, all of a sudden that just started lifting and, and uh, we just begin to feel the excitement of the presence of God, the goodness of God. Anytime you rehearse the goodness of God, it energizes you. And that, that's, why we, that's why we have worship time in church. It's not just to fill some time. It's so that we can rehearse the promises and the good things of God. Amen. You, you learn more, you retain more by singing something than you do just by trying to uh, memorize it. And so when we, when we sing, you know, I don't know about you, but, you know, sometimes in my head, I'll, I'll still do the alphabet in the, you know, the song, A, B, C, D. <laughs> Try, you know, you never know how much that sticks. And so songs stick in our head, but we're, we get to rehearse right out, right as we start, we get to rehearse the goodness of God and the greatness of God and the power of God and, and our position in God, and that's why we, that's why we worship. Amen. Today is our, our last message on kingdom entrance. Next Sunday, we're going to be uh, moving into the fullness of the kingdom, being spiritually filled, uh, spiritually full, and I'm anticipating, looking forward to that. But I want us to, uh, I want us to read our, our verse today. In uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 12 through 13. And giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Give, debate us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Amen. Praise God. I got to think about something else there. And we, don't you hate that when you chase a squirrel right in the middle when you're trying to do something? Oh, thank God. Say this with me. Jesus is my king. I live and dwell in his kingdom. Therefore, I have access to the privileges and provisions of the kingdom. Praise God. We, we're going to continue in that mode. Uh, next Sunday, we'll have uh, some other things we're going to be declaring. I hope you've been rehearsing this on a daily basis. Get it in your heart. Get it in your mind. Because it... it, it if you do, it'll live there, and it'll change the way you approach life. It'll change the way you approach situations and things. And uh, thank God for I've, I've seen people's lives grow and become fuller as we've started this, and I, I just that's exciting to me, and thank God for it. I got a call last night from my daughter-in-law, and I never, you know, you never know, especially as a pastor, I never, when my phone rings, I never know what, what's, going to, what's going on. And so she called last night, and, and immediately I thought, oh, you know, that's, that's just what you think. But she called me to tell me my four-year-old granddaughter has um, surprised her and uh, has uh, abilities she didn't know anything about. And I said, really? I said, what, what is it? She said, well, she, she had a birthday party tonight with uh, some classmates, and they went to this place that has these rock climbing walls said she went over there to the, to the little kids one, the one they don't have to have a uh, harness for, and said she just went up there and just scaled the thing and come back down, and said then she walked over. Then over here, there was this big 12 and up wall where you have to put the harness on and, and everything. 
said after she climbed this wall, she walked over to the lady that was in charge over there and just, and just stood there beside her. And the lady looked down and said, you, you want to try this? I said, yes. Said, well, you, you can do it if you want to. And Natalie said she put that harness on and, and climbed all the way to the top without stopping. And, and, and they, they let her back down. Said she just scaled that thing all the way to the top. Nobody knew that she could do that or that she didn't have a fear of heights. If we would have told her that you can't do that, she never would have known that she had an ability. Amen. I was reading an article the other day that said up to age four, children work at genius level. Every child operates at genius level. And after the age of four, that begins to subside. And they've tried to figure out why the children operate at genius level up to age four, and then they begin to not operate it. How many, how many know that uh, after age four, sometimes your kids don't exactly operate at genius level? They do things that you look at them and think, really? But this is what they've come up with. By age four... A child has heard more about what they cannot do than what they can do, and it causes them to shut down the creativity in their brain because they're constantly told what they cannot do. We know that we have to keep them in guidelines. We know that we have to, you know, tell them, you know, how many knows raising kids a lot of times you're saying more about no, don't do that, don't, no, don't touch that, don't, you know, and, you know, watch out, don't because we're, we're always afraid they're going to get hurt or something, you know? I find myself doing that with my, with my grandkids, you know? I'm constantly uh, saying, no, don't do that, and don't, you know, because I'm wanting to protect them. I wasn't near that protected with my kids. I, you know, I thought, well, they'll learn if they do it. With Benaiah, I couldn't keep him away from the fireplace when he was about two years old. I mean, just, and I built walls, literally built walls around the fireplace out of chairs and stuff to try to keep him away from it. And he would scale over everything that I, that I would put and try to get that fireplace. So I just took all the chairs away and just got back. He, he was only two years old, maybe younger than that. I don't remember, but he, he headed for that fireplace and I was right behind him. And he got up to the, to the fireplace, and he, he was reaching his hand out. He wanted that flame. He could see that, and he wanted to touch it. And I, I was standing right behind him, and he was putting his hand up there. And just real fast, I grabbed his hand and touched it real fast and hollered, Hot! Just like that, he cried and cried and cried. <laughs> I mean, just cried. I never had to tell him to stay away from the fireplace again. Every time he would, he would get clear back the other side of the room and would go, hot, hot. When we, a lot of times we, as children of God, and I, I'm, what I'm preaching today, I want us to kind of get that concept that if we're not careful, all we know is what we can't do in the kingdom. But we don't know what we can do in the kingdom. And what we can do so, is so far beyond what we can't do. You know, people, people say that, that uh, church is a bunch of do's and don'ts. Well, there are, there are definitely do's and don'ts in the, in the body. I mean, there's regulation rules. We're, we're seeing generations coming up now that don't understand that, and life is not working. 
They literally don't understand how life's supposed to work. You know, we, we've got a young lady in, in Congress now that how she got in there, I have no idea. But she doesn't have any concept of, of anything. I mean, she can't, she doesn't even understand. They are, she said the other day that in 10 years, they're going to gut every building in America and refit it with green energy. And it's not going to cost anybody anything. That works good in cartoons, but not in real life. See, there's a lot of people that don't understand that, that regulations and rules are not there to stifle you, but they're there to give you a safe place to grow. Amen. This is, in other words, this is where you can expand in life. This is what takes your life away from you. That's, that's the do's and don'ts. But we don't spend enough time on do's in the kingdom of God, what we can do. Chapter 16. Turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 16. Verse 13. Start with verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Now, Jesus wasn't insecure here. He was just wanting to get the concept of what, what the, his disciples had. And uh, so they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you, You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, when he, when he said, you are Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church, he said, you, to literally understand that, he said, Peter, you are a piece of the rock, and upon this boulder, upon this huge rock, I will build my church. In other words, what he's saying is that you are a piece, that revelation is a piece, it is the part, it is, it is what is going to bring you into the kingdom of God. And on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, gates is not an offensive weapon. Gates is a defensive weapon. And what it's saying, the gates of hell will not hold you out of the kingdom of God. The next words he said was, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Remember, it just said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, and I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Now, we understand by studying that out that it means that whatever has already been bound in heaven, you have the authority to bind it on earth. Whatever has already been loosed in heaven, you have the authority to loose it on earth. And so Jesus is declaring a prophetic declaration of what's about to happen. When Jesus and John the Baptist both came preaching the gospel, they preached the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's within reach. It's here. It's, it, it is within reach. 
And they, they demonstrated the kingdom of God. Jesus went about giving people glimpses of the kingdom of God. He went about showing them the goodness of God. He went about t telling them uh, the, the things that God has for them. He looked beyond the faults of people, and he released the kingdom into their lives. So often, we are so captivated by what's wrong that we can't speak to what's right. But if we'll start speaking to what's right, what's wrong will start losing its power. Amen. That's something that we have to learn in our lives, something I had to learn. I spent the first several years of my ministry uh, dealing with the weaknesses and what's wrong. It was hard to get anything to get better because we was always talking about what's wrong. I know what's going good with the church. I start talking about all the good things that are happening and the power that is happening. We can either go down the rabbit trail or the rabbit hole of what's wrong and, and, and glorify what's not working and what's wrong, or we can turn around and start glorifying the Son of God and talking about what he's doing, and next thing you know, we're going to be doing what he's doing instead of just doing what's not working. Because whatever you look at is what you'll end up doing. Amen. If we look at the problems, we'll always, we'll always end up with problems. If we look at the answers, we'll end up with answers. Amen. When, when, when you're riding a motorcycle, I learned this early on, and, and I try to teach it to everybody that, that starts riding a motorcycle that's new. And I tell them that wherever your head goes, the bike will follow. You know, when, if you're driving a car and you like to gawk around, you can't do that riding a motorcycle because whichever way you look, the bike will lean. You know, you'll end up going that way. And if you're going into a left-hand turn and you look right, just for a second, by the time you look back, you've already passed the point of no return and you're in the gravel going off the road. You can't do it. Wherever your eyes go is where the bike will follow. And that's the way it is in life. Whatever you focus on is what your life is going to be full of. If you focus on the problems, then you're just going to be full of problems. But when you focus on the answer, when you say, look, I'm not, I'm not here to repeat what isn't working. I'm here to find out what is working, what God is doing, and I'm here to speak into that. Amen. I found out that I get more accomplished in the lives of, of people that are bound by drugs and, and, and things like that. I get more accomplished by speaking into the things that are right in their life and calling out what God has put inside of them than I do dealing with the fact what's binding them and what's holding them bound. You know why? Because whenever I speak to what God has put inside of them, that's what starts rising up. Amen. I remember walking across the room teaching at uh, Restoration Connection, and I, I, right in the middle of my message, I just I felt my body walking. You know, you, sometimes when you're preaching, you're, you, you start doing things, and, you, and you're in, in your mind, you know, you go into superposition, and you're thinking, okay, what's up now? What are you doing? What, what's happening? And I just started walking across the room. My body started walking across the room. I walked right up to this young man, and, and he had his head down, you know, just, just sitting there with his head down. I said, hey, look at me. He looked up at me, and I looked him right in the eye, and I said, God says you are an awesome man. 
And I just started speaking into that. I said, God has put awesome gifts inside of you. And I said, you have abilities inside of you that, that God has planted in you. And he says, you are awesome regardless of what's going on. I said, you've had some really bad uh, failures. You've made some bad decisions. There's some things really gone wrong in your life. And I started kind of talking, reading his mail about what had happened in his life. But I said, that's not what is important. What's important is God's brought you to this time, this moment, right now, to tell you this is not where God wants you. God puts something inside of you, and he wants to raise that up. And I just began to speak into his life like that. And that, that young man's life changed that night because something came alive inside of him that, that had more power than what was killing him. Amen. In a short time, he was, he was living in a, in, a, in a group home at that time and was having all kinds of problems. In, a, in, a, in two weeks' time, he had a job. He moved out, got his own home, and started taking care of a little boy that, of, of a girlfriend that was in prison. And, and he took, took this little boy, and he's raising that little boy. And today, he's become a leader instead of a follower. And it's all because there was something inside of him that nobody had ever talked to. The kingdom of God is about what we can do and the power that God's invested in us. He said, I've given to you the kingdom upon this rock. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I give to you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. He declared it, and he, and he said, this is what's going to happen. And, and, you know, John or Peter, right after that, really messed up because Jesus started talking about his death, and Peter, you know, the, the great revelatory man of God now, grabbed hold of Jesus and said, this ain't going to happen. And Jesus said, devil, get thee behind me. You know, just because you get a revelation and then you just blow it doesn't mean it's over with. It means you just keep, need to keep focusing on the revelation. Amen. You know, in, in, in uh, the last chapter of the book of John where, where Jesus is on the shore and Peter jumps, Peter says, that's the Lord. You know, they said, that's the Lord. And, and Peter jumped out of the boat into the water. I've heard people, everybody always says that Peter was so excited he jumped out of the boat and swam to shore. It doesn't say that. It just says he jumped in the water. I think Peter was so ashamed he jumped in the water to get away from Jesus. Because when it's time to pull the net in, Peter was the only one out in the water to pull the net in. So Peter went and pulled the net in. You know why? Because it was works. And Peter said, oh, I can, hey, I can do this. You know, I can, I can get back in good graces here. So Peter gets up and he starts pulling the net in, you know, pulling the fish in. And he comes and sits down. You know, you know I've redeemed myself because I did some works. I did something good. I did, you know, I pulled the net in. And Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? Now, why would, why would Jesus have said that if Peter was so excited to get, that he jumped out of the boat and swam to shore and was all excited about seeing Jesus? Why would Jesus ask him that question? He was asked that question because Peter was ashamed and he was hiding. He didn't want to be there. 
That's why he said, I go fishing. He said, I'm leaving. I'm going back to my former life. I'm discouraged, depressed. I'm jumping back into my former life. I'm done with this, this discipleship thing, and I'm going back to my former life. And, and Jesus ended up there. Why? Because a revelation had been spoken into Peter's life. And when God speaks a revelation in you, well, God puts something into you. He doesn't just back off, walk off, and, and quit. He comes back over and over and over until he gets the revelation he put inside of you to be more powerful than that which is trying to stop you. Hallelujah. He's not going to just quit and say, well, you didn't get it. No, he's going to keep coming back until you get it. And finally, Peter got it. And then ended up, you know, getting upset because John was going to get a better life than him. (laughs) So... I mean, all this great stuff, everything, all the good stuff happened, and, and Peter ended up leaving that situation, that awesome breakthrough. He, lead, he lead, ended up leaving there pouting because of what John got. And yet on the day of Pentecost, in the book of Acts, something began to happen. And the Holy Spirit came down on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit descended and and filled them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in all the languages of all the people that was there and preach the gospel to everyone. And then in verse 14, it says, Peter, but Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judah and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Here, all of a sudden, Peter, Jesus spoke to him, and he said, Peter, you're, you're a little piece of rock. You're, that revelation that you just gave is a piece of the rock. You, you, have a, you have identified with the rock. You've identified with the foundation. You've identified with the power. And he said, upon this rock, I'll build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I give to you the keys of the kingdom. And when this Holy Spirit came down, Peter got filled with the Spirit. The revelation of God rose up inside of him that Jesus had already spoke into him. And that revelation rose up. Peter stands up and he takes out the keys and he reaches up and unlocks heaven's door and opens it. The gates of hell could not prevail. And all of a sudden, the gospel begin to flow out into people and immediately people begin to come in to the kingdom of God because he had the keys in his hand. What was the keys? It was the revelation that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. And he opened the door that day, took the keys. Peter made mistake after mistake after mistake, but there was something that had been planted inside of him that was more powerful than his mistakes, more powerful than his faults, and more powerful than the enemy. And the gates of hell had, was locked shut, trying to hold the gospel out of people. But that day, Peter stood up, and he whooped out the key of the revelation of Jesus Christ, and the gates of hell all of a sudden broke and became weak in the face of the power of God and that person that couldn't get anything right unlocked the kingdom of God for humanity aren't you glad that Jesus spoke into Peter what was right instead of what was wrong 
Jesus didn't come to him and say, Peter, I'm really dis disappointed in you. You, de you denied me just like I told you you would. You failed just like I told you you would. No, that's what, not what Jesus did. Jesus wasn't there for Peter. Jesus was there for the, the, for the impartation. He was there for what he had planted inside of Peter. He was there for the seed that was inside of him. And he was about to make that seed begin to grow and come out of that rocky soil and split the rock in two. And next thing you know, there was a tree begin to grow with fruit on it. <laughs> Peter stands up and preaches a, preaches a message that was impossible for, for Peter to preach. I mean, just a few days earlier, he was pouting because Je Jesus told John that he, was, that he would be, he said, what, what is it to you? You know, Peter got upset. He said, what about him? There's always a competition there, you know. Peter was the getter done, you know, Let's rush the gates, kind of guy. And there, John was always over there leaning on P on Jesus, and and you know he was Mister Relationship and and everything, and and you know just and Peter was always just a little bit jealous of John. So so whenever uh, Jesus told Peter by what death that he he was going to die, immediately he said, well, "What about him?" You think Jesus had an easy time with the with trying to train twelve guys? No, same thing he has to do with us today. And he looked at Peter and he said, what, what's that to you? What is it to you if he's here when I come back? You know, what is that to you? You know, Peter ended up dying the way Jesus said he was going to die. And John, they tried, they tried to kill him and couldn't kill him. They tried to boil him up. Who would, who would come up with this stuff? They tried to boil him in oil. What kind of demented person come up with a plan to boil somebody in oil? What are they going to do, eat him? I mean, who would come up with stuff like that? And so they got this oil boiling, and they took John and threw him in it, and John just sat back like he was in a sauna. I mean, it's like, hey, can you turn that heat up just a little bit? You know, a little more bubbles, a little more bubbles. They couldn't kill him. It didn't even burn him. They finally took him out of the oil. Can you imagine them getting so, you know, just stand there like, okay, get out of there. So John finally got out of the oil, and all they could do was they finally abandoned him on an island, the island path. They thought they was, they thought they was, punishing him, but they took him to a place where he was going to have an encounter with God like nothing he had ever known, and he went into the heavens, and he saw things, and he wrote, and he saw revelations and things that, I mean, he was in the presence of God on the Isle of Patmos, and it was not a place of punishment. It was a place of the glory and presence of Almighty God. Why? Because that's what Jesus put in him. So he said, here it is. Here's the keys. See, on the, when, when the Gentiles begin to be hungry for the gospel and begin to seek, you know, God put it inside of them. They, they, just, they just started being hungry. 
for the gospel. They start being hungry for something. God, we need something. We want something from you. And in Acts chapter 10, we see Peter up on the housetop, and, and this vision comes, and this sheet comes down to Peter, and, you know, it's time for them to eat. And as Gina said earlier, God uses our five senses to illustrate a spiritual truth. And it was time to eat, and they was preparing uh, food. And Peter went up on the housetop. If you don't understand, I've been in places like that. You don't, uh, you know, over there, how rooftops are part of the living space. You know, a lot of countries we go to, a lot of restaurants are on top of buildings. I mean, right up on top of the building, that's where the restaurant is. You go up there and you eat on top of the building. It's a rooftop and you eat up there. That's where the restaurant is. And, and so he went up on the rooftop and he was there and he fell asleep or went into a trance or whatever you want to call it. And all of a sudden he saw this sheet coming down from heaven and was filled with all the things that was not lawful to eat. And Peter said, Jesus said, kill and eat. He said, oh, no. He said, I'm not going to touch it. It's not lawful. Happened three times. See, God still had to argue with Peter, even though he had been. <laughs> he was still fussing with him. No, that ain't right. You know? I ain't going to do that. And then God said, don't call uncommon what I've cleansed. And then there was a knock on the door, and somebody standing there saying, I need you to come. And, and the angel of the Lord said, go with him. And, and Peter ends up going to Cornelius' house, and, and, and there at Cornelius' house, in verse 44, Peter began to speak, and, and he was doing this not because he wanted to, not because he was anticipating anything. He was doing this because he, had, he felt that God had told him he had to. This was not something Peter wanted to do. Peter, all, all he could think of was the council at Jerusalem, what was going to happen when they find out that I went and spoke to Gentiles and gave them the gospel. You know, this is going to look bad for me politically. Isn't that what we think? This, you know, this isn't going to look good. And so Peter, Peter said, I, you know, I can't do that. God told him he had to. So he goes down, and reluctantly, he starts sharing the gospel. And while he was in verse 44, while Peter was still speaking, the words the Holy Spirit fell, speaking the words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word, and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should be baptized? I want you to notice Peter first unlocked the kingdom to the Jews. And then next thing you know, God sends him over to the Gentile population and he brings him into a house and God says, okay, Peter, I gave you the keys. And, and Peter said, no, I can't use the keys here. I can't unlock the door here. I can't, I can't do this. And God says, get the keys out, Peter. I said, upon this rock, I will build my 
church, not your church. It's not your church, not the church of Peter. It's up on this rock. I will build my church. And Peter gets the keys out, sticks it in in the door of heaven, and all of a sudden the door swung wide to the Gentile population, and the power of God began to spread all over the world because of the gospel and of the very word that Peter had received from Jesus a long time before all of a sudden began to happen and the kingdom began to be unlocked for the people of this earth and they began to receive something greater than earthly habitation they begin to receive a heavenly habitation. They begin to receive a, a, a thing that was greater. They, they, they got so excited about it, they totally lost interest in the things they owned. These were Jewish people. They lost interest in the things they owned. Amen. Me and, my, me and my Jewish daughter-in-law, we go round and round about this stuff. She says, she says man, that, you know, with the Jews, it's, it's just give me your money and leave me alone. You know? And so, but they got so disinterested in it that they sold what they had, began to spread it about. We're Stalin, and, and all those come up with communism. It came from the Bible. They use the Bible to try to, and, and what they're doing is they're trying to recreate a spiritual encounter and happening with, with carnal means. The problem is the carnal means will always go carnal ways. The, the spiritual will always go spiritual. You can't recreate something God does with carnality and with humanity because humanity will always pervert it and destroy it. Amen. That's why communism, socialism will never work to, to bring blessing to people. It'll always be what takes away from people. Communism in, in the book of Acts was not something that was established for everybody to live in. It was a time, it was a, a blessed time where they said, man, we got we to... Gotta, uh, we got to focus. We got to. We got to bring all of our resources together because we've got to get this kingdom built. We've got to get the church built. We got to spread the gospel all over, and that's exactly what they begin to do: spread the gospel all over. Why? Because somebody unlocked the kingdom. Somebody used the keys and unlocked the kingdom. We we as as a church we have we have one thing that is the main purpose of the church. And, and it is to unlock the kingdom. When we, when we go somewhere, when we preach the gospel, the reason we preach the gospel, people say, well, why do, why do we have to preach at church? Because it's the word that unlocks the kingdom. It's the word. The preaching of the word unlocks the kingdom. And it causes us to be able to receive the kingdom of God. Words are extremely powerful. Amen. What is it we have today with, with all the internet and all the, all the stuff that we have? It's, it's a war of words. People sit behind their computers and on their phones and they, and they put out words all the time. And it's impacting, it's impacting, it's impacting. Words are powerful. And God has, has ordained that his word be preached and declared so that though the kingdom of God is unlocked. We unlock the kingdom. When we go into places that is bound, we go in and we unlock the kingdom of God to them. Amen. When we go into places that are, that are bound by demonic powers, our, 
our uh, leader of our ministry in Rwanda, he goes to villages that haven't been reached with the gospel and preaches to people that are under, a lot of these villages are under the power of, of very powerful witch doctors and, and demonic powers. And, you know, one of the things he told me when I first went over there, he, I, I, sit, I gave him, when we first started working together, I gave him about a two-hour lecture on financial accountability. You know, I mean, I made him sit there and listen to me and talked about how, how you use money. What, and, you know, and, and if you're faithful, God will bless you. If you're not faithful, you're not going to get anything. And I told him, I said, you, you misuse money, and I'm done with you. It's over with. And, and you know, he, he listened to that graciously and agreed with me and stuff, and he has abided by that. I mean, you can't find somebody in Africa that's more accountable than he is. When we send money over there by Western Union, he goes and picks up the money, gets the receipt, he goes back, he meets with his church elders, and he shows them the receipt, he counts out the money, and shows them that he didn't take any of the money, and, and they, they apply it for what it's supposed to be used for. That doesn't happen anywhere else. I mean, they usually go, they, they give a percentage of what's been sent. To, to the ministry, and they keep the rest of it. That's, that's kind of how things go. But he's not like that. But then after I gave him my, my speech, you know, about financial accountability, he's sitting there and he said, well, let me tell you something. He said, if you can't chase, chase devils, you shouldn't be here. I said, you're right. Absolutely right. And he said, because here... You have to be able to chase devils out. And if you can't chase them out, then they will overpower you and they will kill you. He said, I'm not talking about just small things. He said, I'm talking about demonic powers that, he said, one man was asleep in a, in a, after a service, one man was asleep in, in a, a cabin or a, a, what do they call it, a hut, manure and mud and banana leaf hut. He was asleep there. And he said all of a sudden he woke up and he was high in a tree and he fell out and it broke many bones in his body. He said the demons had taken him and put him in the tree. And he said this is what you're dealing with. And if you can't chase them, you shouldn't be in Africa. And I said, I agree with you 100%. And I said, let's go chase some. He, went in, he goes into villages. Now listen, I'm talking about open the kingdom of God. Open the kingdom to people. He goes into villages and he preaches. And at the end of his message, he says, any devil, any person, any witch doctor that wants to try to kill me, Come. He invites them to come and try to kill him. And in this one village, when he said that, this, this elderly woman in the back began to gyrate and jerk and shake. And she, she, began, to, she began to just kind of shake and come forward and said she was just hopping. And as she was hopping, she was saying, kill him, kill him, kill him. And he said all of a sudden in front of her, this big, this big uh, cobra appeared in front of her, this big, huge snake, and was, was coming, slithering toward him. And he said this woman was just, was just bouncing and, and saying, kill him, kill him, and said this snake was coming right at him. 
And he said, he began to say, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And he said, they kept coming. And again, he said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And they just kept coming. They were getting closer and closer. And the third time, he said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And he said, the snake disappeared. The lady collapsed to the ground. And the power of witchcraft was broken over that village. And all of a sudden, the power of God, and he reached up and unlocked the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven was open. And all of a sudden, people began to flood into the kingdom of God. Those that were formerly bound by demonic powers and witchcraft now were freed because somebody took the keys of the kingdom to a place of and unlocked the kingdom of God for them. That just because it's been unlocked doesn't mean it's unlocked for everybody. That's the power of the church. It's our job to unlock the kingdom of God for people so that they can come in because they're locked out. They're locked out in darkness. Mark chapter 16, verse 15 And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents and and they'll drink anything deadly. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Jesus, before he left, transferred the commission from Peter or enlarged the commission from Peter to the body of Christ, to the church. It, the church's main job is to unlock the kingdom of God for those that are bound in darkness and open the door and say, come on in. All over this world, the kingdom of God is being unlocked. All over America, the kingdom of God is being unlocked. There is a fresh move of the Spirit that is invading this country right now. The people are being raised up, and they are invading the darkness and and changing lives and people's lives are being changed it's 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 not very big right now it's not a big full scale thing but it is it is a a a uh, a re- reversal of what's been happening and now the kingdom of god is beginning to be open to those that are bound in darkness and we are seeing a revival i guess you'd call it an awakening to the spirit of god and people that were bound people that are drug addicts people that are bound by all kinds of darkness the chains are beginning to fall i hear i hear the chains falling i hear the chains falling Churches all over this country are, are beginning to move forward. There's a fresh move of God beginning to happen, and all of us are finding our own identity because every church has a different assignment, and we all have a different assignment. There are churches that their assignment is, is, is to take the gospel out into the street and, and, and to do nothing but evangelize. There are churches that are strong discipleship churches. There are churches that are very strong on, on uh, healings and, and things like that. There are churches that are strong on revival. We all have a different characteristic. Amen. And yet all the same characters are going to dwell in each church, but we're all to be discipleship churches. We're all to be soul-winning churches. We're all to be healing churches. But every church is going to have a strength. 
And that strength is going to be the main thing that, that keeps us going. And here at Healing River Worship Center, the main strength that God has raised up in us and that we're moving closer and closer to is our strength is for people to have an encounter with God that they, when they leave, they have to say, I met God. I came and I, I was touched by the power of God. Amen. I felt the presence of God in a strong way. That's one of our main focuses is to come to a place where people have encounters with the presence of God, where those that are being brought in off the street can actually be brought into a place like this and have a God encounter that will fuel their recovery and speed it up. Are you understand? We all need to work together. God is raising up churches with all different, fitly framed together, and all of us have to work together in our place, in our position. Amen. Oh, thank God. When we open the doors, amen, we unlock the kingdom. It's exciting when you see the kingdom start being unlocked in somebody's life. All of a sudden, the lights come on. And they start experiencing something. Amen. I had a young lady tell me the other night I prayed for, and after the, after the service, she came up to me. She said, she said, hey, preacher, said, when you prayed for me, I felt there was, there was something went all through my body. She said, I if I felt it. it just, it's just like it, it started at my head and it went all through my body. And she said, something happened. And I said, yeah. I said, that was God. That was, the, that was the presence of God. That was an encounter with God. You understand what I'm talking about? All of a sudden, somebody goes from, I don't know if God's real or not, to, whoa, I just felt him. He is real. <laughs> Some people's going to have to be pinned to the floor for five days before God lets them up, before they'll even say that he's real. I'm praying that happens. Amen. <laughs> well, just hold a vigil, you know. Have, have people stay here because somebody's pinned to the floor for five days because they're so rebellious. God, God has to hold them there until they say yes. <laughs> Have you ever had to, I've had, I've had to wrap people up that was out of control, just wrap them up and hold them un, until they, they decided to calm down. I mean, that's, that's hard. You don't, you don't like having to do that, but you have to protect them and everybody else until, until things settle down. And sometimes I think God needs to just wrap some people up and hold on to them until they, until they say, okay, you're real. <laughs> Amen. Uh, God uses different ways. And it's amazing what God will do to open the windows of heaven. I remember uh, Brother Allen, my dad talking about Brother Allen going into a, an area. And so they set up the tent, and they was, they was having services, but it, it was just hard. They just wasn't having a breakthrough. It was just hard, and, and they couldn't seem to get where they wanted to be. And he said one night, this, this lady died in the service over, over to the side. She just died right there. 
my dad went to Brother Allen. He said, he said, hey, he said, this lady has died. She's dead. He said, what, what do you want to do with her? And Brother Allen said, oh, thank God, this is the breakthrough I've been looking for. And he said, what do you want me to do with her? He said, just leave her there. Don't, don't touch her. Just leave her there. For three days, that lady laid over there dead in the sawdust. Nobody came to claim her. I guess none of her family was there. She laid over there dead for three days. Can you imagine? And people would come and look at her. You know, she, she's dead. Laying there dead in the sawdust. And Brother Allen just go on preaching. He just kept saying, don't touch her. Don't touch her. Leave her alone. Leave her alone. And after about the third day, Dad said he got up in the morning and went out, and he had to get up early and start getting everything going. He said he got up, he went out, and they had this, this uh, place out there with sinks for people to wash up and stuff. And he said he went out, and he, he walked up, and he said, there that woman was washing, washing her face. And he said she had got up. She had came back to life with nobody praying for her. She just got up, and she's out there washing, washing the uh, sawdust off of her. And when people start showing up to the services, there that lady was that everybody saw over there laying dead. And there she was alive. And he said, we had a breakthrough. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Well, you, we'd, we'd, be, we'd be arrested and locked up today if we did something like that. Amen. I'd have, to, I'd have to preach from Taney County. We'd have, to, we'd have to live stream the thing, you know? But God will go to extraordinary measures to unlock the kingdom, and he uses his people to do that. Hallelujah. Stand with me today, if you would. I'm, gonna have, I'm, I'm trying to wind down. I'm, I'm trying to, to bring this to a stop. Well, just pause. I'm hitting the pause button until next Sunday. Praise God. The entrance of the kingdom of God has been, has been made available by God himself. We are not sneaking into the kingdom of God. We are not forcing our way in. We're not talking our way in. We're not manipulating our way in. God has opened it up to us willingly and said, come in. And he's, he's cried out to every person that is lost in darkness and bound, come into the kingdom. Because in the kingdom, there is restoration. In the kingdom, there is healing. In the kingdom, there is hope. And that's the cry that's going out. Praise God. <clears throat> I wonder what God has spoken and planted inside of each one of you that he's after today. Is God after a gift, a declaration? Is God after something that he put inside of you and maybe you haven't got it yet? Maybe he's, he's about to do it. But i got to tell you something. If you think you can just get away from that, you can't. Because every time you turn a corner, God's going to be there, and he's going to be speaking to that gift. Trying to make it come alive. Praise God. Father, we just thank you.